Welcome to Making Lemonade. I'm Wit. And I'm Kels. And we started this podcast to bring connection and support to this community. We know that every single person goes through tough situations in life. And we wanted to help share stories of those situations to help others not feel so alone. We are not therapists or doctors. Our opinions are our own. The opinions expressed by the guests on each episode is their own and doesn't necessarily share our same views. You can find information and resources shared by each guest in the episode notes or on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening. On today's episode, we have Jessica, and she did such a fantastic job of telling us about her journey of losing her husband and becoming a single pregnant mom of a toddler, and her journey of healing through art and just all the incredible things that she's been able to do with it and help heal um, just from her loss. And I am totally inspired just listening to her and knowing that she's made something so beautiful out of something so hard. Mm-hmm. She... She has a website, and so we've been checking out her website. It's jessicaswift.com, and just beautiful artwork and how she like how it came about. Mm-hmm. She tells us about that it was in a beautiful way. I mean, heartbreaking, but beautiful, you know. And anyways, she yeah, she has a book coming out. Yes. She just it was an inspiring conversation. I loved it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So guys, make sure you check out our show notes for all of her links and resources, where you can find her book. And also you can find us on social media. We'll have all those linked there as well. And as always, thank you for listening. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for being with us today and coming on the podcast to tell your story. Um, why don't you tell us where your story begins? Okay, I will. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here today. Um, Yeah, so my story begins, um, you know, on a very uh, dramatic day um, when I guess it was four. Oh my gosh, today is, um, we're recording this on Valentine's Day, which is exactly four and a half years since um, this terrible day um, when my husband died unexpectedly. Um, and my whole entire world turned upside down. Oh my goodness. Um, And today's the day today. Well, yeah, four and four and a half years. So, you know, not like quite the day, but yeah, it's, um, it's wild that it's already been that long. Um, I don't know if that's something that either of you can relate to, but I remember in those early days thinking, um, just not even being able to imagine that this experience that I was going through would one day kind of be in my past. Like it would have been something that it it would be something that happened a a long time ago. Does that make any sense? I don't know. It just seems very strange now that it's already been Mm -hmm. four and a half years. Yeah. Anyway. um, (laughs) Yeah. So um, it was a very awful day, obviously um, filled with, you know, all of, all of the emotions that people can probably imagine, um, fear, sadness, heartbreak. Um, it was very traumatic for me. Um, my husband was a doctor. 
and a dad and a skier and a son and a brother. And, um, he also was struggling with, um, a drug addiction that he kept really well hidden for, I don't even know how long to be honest. Um, I didn't, I didn't become aware of it until a couple of months before he died. So it was a really, um, hard whirlwind of a summer, um, leading up to, his, um, death. And yeah, so I, I, it, I, I'm, I'm having trouble. <laughs> I'm like trying not to get back into those feelings of, you know, what it was like to be, um, be there that morning, um, fully because it's, you know, there's still a lot of feelings about that, that yes. I have. Yeah. For sure. Um, Take your time. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's kind of where my story begins. So um, just to give a little bit of background about me, um, I'm an artist. I'm a, I've been a working professional artist for many, many years now. Um, I'm a painter and a surface pattern designer, a fabric designer, um, an online teacher. I do a variety of things. Um, and so I've done that. I've done that forever. Um, I'm also a mom. Um, I have a son who is seven and a daughter who's four. And so at the time um, of Ryan's death, my son was not quite three and I was pregnant um, with our daughter. Um, so that, you know, added a whole other layer of um, fear and grief and all kinds of things to it. Um, you know, just knowing that I had um, you know, not only was I going to be a single parent, I was actually going to have to have a baby by myself. And um, it was very overwhelming. Um, so fast forward a little bit um, about, so my daughter was born about five months after um, Ryan died. And a few months after she was born, I started to notice um, that I was really getting kind of lost in all of it, you know, like walking through um, the grief of losing a spouse and all of the feelings that came along with that, all of the really confusing feelings, you know, because I was obviously heartbroken and um, afraid, but I was also like, um, for anybody who has been in any kind of relationship with somebody in um, any kind of addiction, you know, there was a level of... Um, I was just really glad to not have to live in that anymore um, because it was really, really um, hard. So I was dealing with all of that. And also I was like in the throes of new motherhood again. You know, I had a newborn baby and a toddler. I was learning how to do all of that by myself. And I was realizing that I was just kind of getting lost in all of it. And I didn't really know what was going on inside of me. Like it was really hard to kind of discern all of the feelings that were swirling around inside of me. And so I kind of intuitively settled on this project that I wanted to do just to make sure that I was um, staying tapped into myself, like my creative self. So I didn't just completely lose myself in this complete, um, you know, like new life that I found myself in unexpectedly. Um, and so I started a 100 day project where, um, after I put my babies to bed every night, I would sit on my couch, usually with my iPad or a sketchbook or something. And I would get quiet. I called the project 100 messages to myself. Um, and I would get quiet and I would just kind of tune in and listen for a message from 
the, you know, from my intuition, from my inner self, from like that wise part of myself that knew how to help me move forward if I could only get quiet and still enough to hear what it had to tell me. And so I listened every day for a message and then I illustrated that message. So I basically, I, I heard the message and I got it out onto the page somehow. Some days it was illustrating the actual words that I heard. Some days it was more just about like an image or a symbol. Um, but it was just the act of intentionally listening and then giving myself the space to actually um, give give myself the the healing message that I needed for that day. And some days it was about, you know, just kind of processing what had happened that day. Some days I was cheering myself on. Some days I was acknowledging something that was really hard. Um, every day was different. Um, all I all I set out to do was just to sit down and let whatever needed to come come, and then get it onto the page, and then to keep myself accountable to actually doing it for 100 days, I posted the images each day on Instagram. And then I wrote a little bit about what that message meant for me, um, which was like another level of healing that I was able to kind of give myself in like hearing the message, making the image, and then writing about the image or writing about the message that I got. Um, The project was like it had a deeply profound um, effect on pretty much every part of my life. I mean, it's something that is still, I still make art this way today, four and a half years later. Um, I still use this technique to kind of figure out what's going on in my world. Um, it's just, it's been like, it's been a, a lifeline for me, basically. Um, and so that's one way that I've, that I've kind of, um, used my creativity to walk through this grief and this, you know, this major life transition, um, making sure that I'm tuning into what's actually happening for me. Um, Because I think when I was growing up, I learned to really kind of stuff those feelings down and like pretend like everything was okay. And this process has really helped me Um, kind of untangle all of that for myself and really acknowledge what's actually happening (laughs) inside of me. Um, And so that was a really important project. And then another important way that I used my creativity during um, these early, early months after Ryan died um, is that I started painting rainbows, which, so I have a book coming out next month, which is called Radiant Rainbows, Messages of hope, healing, and comfort. Um, And this book is directly related to these rainbows that I um, began painting shortly after Ryan died. And I didn't really know why I was painting rainbows. Um, This is kind of another way that I was just sort of tuning into my intuition and doing what felt like the the right thing to do to help me heal whatever that was going to look like. Um, And I had all these strange like serendipities about rainbows uh, with Ryan's mom. Like both of us were seeing rainbows. We're having these strange, um, I don't want to say coincidences, but we were just having like parallel experiences with rainbows showing up um, in a way that kind of represented Ryan um, kind of at the same time. And so rainbows became this symbol of, of, it started out as a symbol of, um, Ryan, like remembering Ryan, but for me, it quickly morphed into 
the symbol morphed into being more about myself and began to represent um, healing, growth, resilience, hope. Um, and so I, I just sort of obsessively painted these rainbows for a while because it just felt good. And I was able to kind of zone out while I was painting um, and just kind of let my inner world calm down and tell me what it needed through the act of painting these rainbows. And so I ended up painting, I painted 40 of them, um, thinking that I would give a rainbow painting to all of the important people in my life, close friends, family, um, people who came to Ryan's memorial service, that kind of thing. Um, and 40 was a significant number because Ryan was 40, uh, when he died. And so that just kind of intuitively felt right. And so I did that and I was sharing on social media, again, the paintings that I was creating and people started asking me if they could buy one. And I thought, huh, like that's, you know, that was not my intention at all with this project, but I started to really love the idea of it because I just was imagining these rainbows being this web of hope that would be kind of created um, between all of these people who who wanted to have one of these rainbows in their own home, in their own life. And I started to realize that everyone goes through, everyone faces painful things in their life, right? Like that's just part of being human. That's something that connects every single one of us, like no human is immune to difficult, painful things. That's just part of the experience. And so I really loved this idea of creating rainbow paintings and sending them out into the world as symbols of hope and connection and um, just togetherness, you know, like we're, none of us are alone. It's really easy to feel like we're alone a lot of the time as we're walking through these hard things. I mean, I still feel that way sometimes today. Um, but I loved that this symbol became kind of a reminder of healing and resilience and hope and connection and just none of us being alone. And so I had this idea that I wanted to create 100 more rainbow paintings, which seemed insane because that's a lot of little paintings, um, you know, and I was dealing with all of this other stuff and trying to keep my business running and being a mom and all of these things. Um, and I decided to see when is 100 days from the day that Ryan died? And it just so happened that it was the 100th day fell on Thanksgiving Day which was Ryan's favorite holiday. And that just sealed the deal for me. I just, it, that was the, I, I knew that I had to make 100. I knew that I would make them available for sale on Thanksgiving day. And that it would just be this like beautiful celebration of togetherness and creating this web of, you know, colorful, beautiful, um, hopeful connection uh, through everyone who wanted to buy one of these paintings and so I did that. I created all of them. I put them up on my website for sale that morning, early that morning on Thanksgiving. And they sold out within hours. Like they they sold really fast. It was just this beautiful, like it, the whole experience was just really magical, the way that it all came together and um, that it happened to fall on that day. And like it just, it was really, really, really um, meaningful for me. 
And I've been painting rainbows ever since. Like rainbows have become a very important and meaningful symbol in my work overall. You know, they find their way into my illustrations. They found their way into my fabric collections. I still make rainbow paintings. Like I've painted and created hundreds of rainbows at this point over the course of these last four and a half years. Um, and I have this book now that's coming out that's kind of a culmination of all of it. So like I mentioned before, it's called Radiant Rainbows. And it's filled with these rainbow paintings that I made um, kind of in different layouts. Some of them are full rainbows on each page. Some of them are, you know, pieces of rainbows. Each page is different. And I also wrote a healing message. So it's basically like a little book of prayers, a little book of poems, affirmations, that kind of thing. So it's it's a book of hope. Um, it's a book that's intended to help somebody who is going through something really hard, you know, whatever that may be, losing a spouse, losing a child. I know that you both know what that's like, and I just cannot even imagine um, the horrendous heartache that comes along with that. It makes me emotional even thinking about that. Um, a, you know, a, a scary diagnosis, depression, a divorce. Like there are so many hard things that we all walk through every day. And so this book, I wrote the messages for myself as part of my own healing process. And I wrote them for anybody who happens to find themselves in the midst of something really hard um, as a reminder that none of us are alone and that there's always hope available even in the darkest of times. Um, and so that's kind of, that's what the book was born out of. Um, I find it amazing that this book wouldn't exist were it not for this terrible experience that I went through. And of course, I never, ever, ever, ever would have wished this for myself, my kids, for Ryan, for Ryan's family, for anybody in our world. Like, it's the most horrible thing. Um, it's the most horrible way that any of it could have turned out. And I was able to create something beautiful out of it. And I think that that's just a really magical part of pain and hardship that that's easy to forget or it's it's maybe not um I'm not exactly sure what I'm trying to say but I find it amazing the the way that people who have walked through the hardest of things can turn that into something that's really helpful um and beautiful for the world you know there's something transformative about pain um, that if you see it as an opportunity to grow and to create something that's helpful for the world as you heal, like to use your healing as a way to be helpful to people who might find themselves in a similar situation or having similar feelings, like pain is a pain can be a catalyst for a lot of um, beauty and connection in the world. And I don't know if I really knew that or had experienced that in a real deep way until I walked through this terrible um, experience. And so it just feels, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, I'm grateful that I 
that I have been able for whatever reason to um, find, you know, some silver linings in this, because I think it's also really easy to let the hard things um, close our hearts and make us more jaded and afraid of the world and afraid of life. And um, I think this book for me is, it's like a testament to all of the ways that I, that I didn't let this experience close my heart and all of the ways that I have been able to um, process it and use it to become a better version of myself um, in a way that I hope will um, ultimately be useful for other people. Um, and so that's kind of where I am today. You know, it's, I, it's still hard. It's still, I still can't believe that this is something that happened in my own life. It's like, you know, this is the kind of stuff that happens to other people, but it's not, you know, we all, we all face, we all face hard things at one time or another. Um, and this is, you know, one of my hard things that I've, uh, had to walk through so far in my life. Hopefully it will be the hardest one. I hope there's nothing <laughs> further down my path. That's going to be harder than this. Um, but you know, there's a lot of joy, um, in my, in my world these days too. You know, I have two beautiful kids. They're the lights of my life. I wouldn't have them without Ryan. You know, I'm grateful for that every, every day. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of beauty, you know, it all coexists, the beauty and the pain, um, which I feel like I learned that, you know, more and more every, every day, every day that goes on. So that's where I am today, just feeling um, grateful and excited for what's to come next. Wow. I am, I just love your outlook. I can't believe like, I don't know, just going through my own darkness and pain, how you were able to just create something so incredibly beautiful from that. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I mean, I hope that you see that you're both doing that too. I mean, yeah. that's what this podcast is all about, right? It's like taking your own darkness and turning it into something that's useful for other people. Yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah. You kind of mentioned that growing up, you didn't share emotions and stuff. Um have you always had kind of that outlook you talked about, about not letting life turn your heart, like close your heart? Or how did you learn that? Did you just kind of, I don't know, did that come naturally to you? Or did you experience something before this loss that helped you with that? That's a really good question. Um, and I don't know, it's hard. It's hard to remember. I mean, I think that I've always been, I've always kind of leaned toward optimism and hope. Um, I remember in sixth grade, I got the optimist of the year award, whatever that means for a 12 year old or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I have just sort of always had this um, inclination to look for the positive pieces of an experience. Um, but also, so yes, I did go through something hard um, growing up and as a young adult. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic the entire time I was growing up. Um, he was kind of in and out of our house, and my parents eventually got divorced when I was 13. Um, so, you know, pretty formative time. Um, and then we, my siblings and I, um, just kind of slowly, as the years went on, um, had less and less of a relationship with my dad. It was really, it was hard. 
um, because he, he just, he wasn't there, you know, he would call and, um, and be drunk and it was painful to, it was just, it was hard. Um, and my mom was always upset about it and it was just, it was a really painful thing, but also we never talked about it. Um, we never talked about it as a family. We never talked about it with anyone outside of our family. It was just one of those things that was kind of swept under the rug in a way. Um, and everything looked fine on the surface. And so that's, I think, how I kind of learned to not talk about or to not actually feel what was going on for me is because I kind of, I guess I learned that I wasn't supposed to, um, that I was just supposed to pretend like everything was okay. So that's kind of what I did for a long time, just um, without even, I think without even realizing it, without realizing that I was, that there was another option that actually feeling my feelings was, um, was a useful, (laughs) useful thing to do. Um, and so when I was 24, after many years of not having a relationship with my dad, um, he died and he died in, um, like it was in the newspaper in my hometown where I was living at the time. And it was all of a sudden, everybody that I grew up with who didn't know anything about what was going on actually inside of our family, um, found out that my dad had died and they knew, you know, why he died. And it was, it was such an, a strange day because I remember feeling so afraid and ashamed at the same time, afraid that everybody had, had found out, you know, what was really going on and that everyone would judge me and judge our family and, you know, think terrible things. And what happened was the exact opposite. Um, We were just surrounded by love. Everybody that I grew up with circled around my family and just wrapped us up in love. And it was so, I just remember it felt kind of mind blowing because it was not at all what I expected. And I remember feeling that day that I realized that I didn't have to keep the hard stuff inside of me, that it was actually okay to let people know what was really going on. And I don't think that I knew that before that day. And so that was a real gift. You know, that was really hard. Um, It was strange because, you know, I didn't have a real relationship with my dad. So that, that grief was confusing because it didn't, on the one hand, I didn't have a lot of feelings about it because I didn't even really know my dad at that point. And at the same time, it was like, it was my dad, you know, it's the person who made me one of the two people who made me. So it was just a really strange time. But I remember that day deciding I'm not going to do this anymore. Now, now people get to know what's actually going on with me and that's okay. And I feel like since then, you know, that was almost two decades ago now, I've just been learning to, to live into that, you know, to learning more and more to let people know what's actually going on with me. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable, you know, sometimes that wanting to pretend like everything is okay, still rears its head and is still kind of my natural, um, my go-to response. Um, but I'm just learning more and more as time goes on that, that letting people in and just being myself and feeling whatever is here for me to feel and sharing what's 
really real and true for me is the best choice for me. And it's often helpful and it gives other people permission to do the same in their own lives. And that's a really big deal. So, yeah. So I guess I've walked through maybe two really hard things (laughs) in my life. Gosh. Yeah. That's And again, like what said, like, it's amazing your perspective and your outlook on life going through the things that you've gone through. But I couldn't agree with you more what you said about um, just letting people see you like and like being able to show your real emotions and connect with people because it invites them in to like be them like their true self. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. That's something I've had to learn. Cause it's scary. <laughs> it, it was scary really for me. Scary. You know? It's scary for me too. It makes me feel like a burden, you know, mm-hmm. like it's too much for people. Yeah. But yeah. then I just try to remind myself, like, do I feel that way when other people share their true mm-hmm. selves with me? Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't. Never. Feel- In fact, I feel like, you know, humbled and really, um, you know, it feels like a gift that somebody's mm-hmm. giving me that they trust me enough or that I can, you know, hold that space for somebody. And, that feels like a big deal. So I try to reverse that and think, okay, well, if I don't feel that way about other people, then I can assume that other people don't feel that way about me. Yeah. So that doesn't always work, but it is oh, helpful. <laughs> you're putting into words like how, what I think and feel. So thank you. Like, for that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, kind of a question that I had, I don't know, pop into my head when you were talking about your rainbows and stuff, I was wondering, do you feel like your husband, has a part in that with you? Like, do you feel him close with you when you do it or, or not really? I don't know. Is he there with you when you do that? I don't know. That's, that's interesting. Um, I think I would say probably not be just because the, the rainbows kind of morphed into being more about me and mm-hmm. less about him. Yeah. Um, I definitely, you know, feel like I've felt him around in different ways in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, not, not so much in the, in the rainbow painting or the art Mm -hmm. making. That's just, yeah. Um, For you. Yeah. 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 That's more about, yeah. Connecting with, Mm -hmm. I guess with myself and, you know, wherever, I really, whatever that that deeper part of, you know, whatever it is that I'm connected to. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I really like that. I like that you have um, something that's just meant for you to like yeah. heal you in yes. a sense. And I love that honest answer, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's not a wrong or right. But no, it, I love that. It's such a personal and healing thing for you. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's definitely been, I mean, I don't know where I would be without having art making as a tool, um, to help me move through all of these things because it has been, like I said before, it's just, it's been a lifeline for me. Yeah. Um, for years. Yeah. Has art been kind of your only form of therapy going through all of this? It's just been a great outlet or have you tried other ways to deal with this stuff you've kind of been burdened with or has this just come so naturally and easy for you and it's all you've needed? I love that question. Um, (laughs) No, I definitely have done other things. Um, I started, I have a therapist that I worked with for um, a number of years since before Ryan died um, that, yeah, we worked together for, gosh, probably four, uh, maybe three and a half, four years. Um, And now I have a different therapist that I'm working with doing some different kinds of work um, with internal family systems and things like that, things that I I didn't know anything about um, 
until recently. Um, yeah. So like talk therapy has been really useful for me. Um, I also did some EMDR therapy with a different therapist, which was incredibly helpful. Um, just kind of getting into some of those painful memories and actually transforming, um, transforming some of those feelings like from within the feeling, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. So EMDR, let's see what else has been helpful to me. Um, I also, oh, this is, this is an interesting thing too, that kind of relates to creativity and art making, but not visual art. Um, as a young person in high school and college, I was a songwriter, a singer songwriter. Um, and I taught myself to play the guitar when I was 15 and I started writing songs and that was a really important way for me to process what was happening in my world, you know, like moving away and going to college and just all of the feelings that, that I was feeling as a young, young adult, late teen, young adult. Um, and then that kind of naturally fell away as I got into my career as a visual artist and, you know, life just got busier as I got older and then I had kids and, you know, it just, I didn't, I didn't write songs for a really long time. Um, like, you know, 15 years or something. And then for some reason, a few years ago, I picked up my guitar again and started noodling around. And I was in the shower one evening and I heard this song lyric and like a melody. And I got out of the shower and I sat down with my guitar and I wrote this song in like an hour. This entire song poured out of me so easily, like it was just waiting to come out of me. And I started writing songs again, like, and it was all about, it was a song written for myself from myself. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That sounds really weird. No, um, but it, it was doesn't. like a healing gift that I gave to myself somehow in the form of a song. And I can still listen to that song today. You know, I, I made a recording of it on my phone and, um, and it's just, it's amazing. It's like I gave myself the words that I needed to hear that night. I was going, you know, I was in a particularly painful um, time when I wrote it. And it was exactly what I needed to make myself feel better. And um, so I've written a handful of songs since then. And I'm so happy to have this part of my life back. I don't think that I really even realized how much I missed it all of those years. Um, but it's definitely a way that I can um, feel into my inner world and turn, you know, that inner <laughs> turmoil into something meaningful for myself. Um, that's something, I think there's something that's really helpful to me about it being something that I can see or listen to like talk therapy is great because, you know, talking through things, working through things is really helpful, but there's nothing like tangible at the end of it, but using art or music, there's like a thing that I can look at or listen to. That's a reminder of whatever it is that I need reminding about. Um, and that's, that's really, I think that's where the real transformation is for me is being able to actually get it out of me into a, into a thing, turning the feelings into a thing. That's awesome. Um, I also love like music and stuff like that. So that's amazing that you are able to do that for yourself. Um, I really like that. I also wondering, tell us about like your children and how you've helped them through their grief journey. 
Yeah. Um, it's very strange because they're both having such a different experience because my son, you know, he was about a month away from turning three when Ryan died. Um, and, and my daughter wasn't born yet. So she just has this really abstract idea of her dad. You know, she knows that her dad died before she was born. She knows that she didn't get to meet him. Uh, she knows that he, you know, is wishes that he would have been able to meet her. She knows his name, like, but she doesn't, she doesn't have any idea who he is. You know, it's like, she doesn't have a feeling of loss mm -hmm. about it the way that my son does. Um, and as time goes on, it's very strange to me to know that when my son is older, and I think it's even starting to happen now, um, his memories are, they're not probably going to last. Um, you know, I think there will, there will be, um, you know, like an energetic imprint that's always going to be there. And he's probably always going to have feelings that are associated with that loss, but like the specific memories of his dad, you know, how much do you remember from when you were two? nothing right probably. I like I like how you said the energetic imprint or whatever yeah whatever term you used I liked yeah. that yeah <laughs> yeah because it's like you know that was something really big and impactful that happened in his life mm -hmm. when he was really young and he's not going to remember it in a conscious way and that is so strange to me so to help him I've kind of just taken his lead you know mm -hmm. after Ryan died he had a lot of questions, um, a lot of the same questions over and over about like, why did he die? When is he coming back? Um, you know, and I just answered them honestly, um, as you know, in an age appropriate way. And I didn't try to hide my feelings from him, but I also tried to keep them in check enough that he, you know, that he felt safe. Um, cause it was just he and I, you know, for, five months um, before his sister was born. Um, it was just the two of us. And so we were together all the time. And um, yeah, I just, we just spent, we just spent a lot of time together and I just, um, gosh, it's even, it's, it's hard to remember. I feel like it, it was so, it was such a hard time that I've, that I've blocked some of it out. And I wonder if well, that's, that'll come that's okay. Cause back at some point, but when I asked that question, I too was just thinking like, if there's a listener listening in a, in a way that's kind of gone through something similar, that's, you know, just kind of having you share what's helped you or what you've done. Cause even the smallest thing clicks with people, right? Yeah, like totally. I can be listening to somebody speak and I'm like, Oh my word, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. One thing that was helpful too, and I don't know if, if this was actually helpful for him um, in any kind of lasting way, but there's a there's a an organization here in Portland called the Dougie Center, which is like a world-renowned um, family and child um, like grief. Um, I forget exactly what they call themselves, but it's a place where they they host groups for kids and teens. Um, who have lost somebody important in their life and they go to this group and they, you know, they hang out and I think it normalizes, uh, it normalizes loss of somebody important for these kids, you know, like for my son, 
Um, still, I don't think he probably knows that many people who have lost a parent or a sibling or, you know, somebody that's like right in their immediate world. Um, and he was able to go to that group. And while I don't know that he really, you know, totally understood all of it because he was only three when he started going. Um, but every child in that group had lost somebody. Um, and so it was, that's something that connected all of them. Um, and then while he was in that group, I was able to go be with the parents um, of those kids. And so we had our own group and it was nice for me too, you know, because I don't know, I still don't know really anybody else who's in any kind of similar situation to mine. Um, and it was really nice to be in a room full of people who could relate in some way. Yeah. Um, and that all ended when the pandemic started, um, you know, so that that went away. But um, it was that was a really helpful thing to be able to go do once a week. Or I it was once every two weeks, love I that, especially because me and Kelsey talk all the time, like, when we see another lost mom, we immediately have a connection. They know how yeah. we feel. Um, and I don't know why I've never thought of that before, but my kids don't have that with other kids. Like they right. don't really know a lot of kids that have lost a sibling or like you said, like lost a parent. Um, so when they go to school or if they're in a group of people, do they feel sometimes like how I feel like alone? Like they don't know what I've been through or what road I've been yeah. down. You know what I mean? And I, I just love that. That's such a beautiful thing to provide those kids. And it doesn't even have to be therapy. It could just be an activity no. or something to get together just because that connection yeah, can well, be so important. That's, that's what it was too, because, you know, they were so little. I think his group was for three to six year olds, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. Um, and so it was mostly, you know, they'd like, they'd go around the circle and they would say their names and how old they are and who died and how they died. Yeah. And then that was it. Then the rest of the time they would just play. Awesome. Yeah. And so that was like, that was, that was enough mm -hmm. for that age group. And yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to what you, what you said about um, like feeling alone. A lot of the time, it's really a strange position to be in. Um, yeah. I feel like in a way it's not so much this way anymore, but definitely in those early days and months, um, I felt really like guarded a lot of the time because it was so fresh and raw and I just didn't want anybody to ask any questions and I didn't want to run into anybody that I knew in like a peripheral way in my life that might ask me about Ryan or ask me about what was going on in our family or anything. Like I just felt really guarded and, and it's been interesting to think about my son kind of feeling that same way because, you know, like with, with young kids, people just assume that there are two parents, you know? So I feel really protective of him a lot of the time because I don't want him to have to answer perfectly innocent questions, but that might be really hard for him to answer. Um, so that's been interesting for me, um, you know, just kind of maybe projecting my feelings onto him a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange, it's just strange. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do that though, as parents in many different situations, you know, we become very protective of them and their feelings yeah. because you know where they've been and other people yeah. might not, you know? So yeah, yeah I think that's super normal. Um, yeah. I just am going back, imagining you with this huge loss 
being a single mom, pregnant, giving birth <laughs> alone, and then like yeah. postpartum, going home alone. Tell me about that. Did you have a lot of support? Like, was that just, do you even remember that time? Or was that just like so deep <laughs> like, in loss that so it, you don't know how you survived kind of a thing? Of a blur. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's both. Um, I don't have any family in town. So that definitely made things a little more difficult. But my mother-in-law was here for a week right after my daughter was born. And then my mom was here for a week right after that. Um, so I had a couple of weeks where, you know, I had somebody with me um, all the time. And then it's really, it's hard for me to remember. I, I, I think that like, I know one of my sisters came and stayed for a few days. I, I don't really remember. And then my brother and sister-in-law came. I, I'm the oldest of five kids. So there are a lot of us. Um, and so I had people like cycling through, uh, and, and I'm really close, um, through this whole, um, this whole experience, I became really close with a lot of my neighbors, um, you know, because they were, they were the ones who were there with me that morning. They, I couldn't have, I couldn't have gone through this without them. Um, and they were kind of, you know, inadvertently pulled into, into this, um, thing that was happening in my life just because they happened to be like right next door and across the street. Um, but it really brought us close, you know, it like made us a family in a way. And so they were really helpful to me, uh, my next door neighbors, especially, um, they would come over and hang out with my son while I was trying to put my daughter to bed. Um, they would come over almost every evening just to hang out with me to make sure that I was okay. Um, I had a lot of help and I, I have a, a wonderful group of friends here in town. So like I had meals brought to me for months. I had, you know, there, there were just, I was not lacking, um, any support, but you know, there wasn't somebody in my house with me all the time. Um, yeah, so it was, it was hard. It was really hard. Um, but I did it. I, you yeah, know, you it's did. like, <laughs> but, but it's almost like, I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but I have a hard time understanding, like when people say, wow, you're so brave. That's so inspiring. Like, and mm -hmm. I, I don't think that I could do that. Like, well, yeah, but yes, if you're yeah. faced with something yeah. that's really hard, you don't have a choice. You yeah. just do it. So it's like, I wasn't brave. I was just doing what needed to be done. Like I was just you know, I was just doing my life as best as I could with what was in front of me. Um, you know, and maybe that is brave. I don't know. But it just... Um, I was just going to say, I'm like, but it is brave. Like, we can't... But, like, what's the other option? The I other guess? option is to not do anything. The other option yeah. is to go in the hole, to not take care of yourself, to not take care of your children. Yeah, That's the other right. option. So it is brave, I think, Yeah, to put one foot in front of the other. Even though we don't realize we're doing yeah, it. Yeah, you don't though. realize Do you know you're what doing I mean? it. Like, yeah. everyone tells us we're brave. Everyone yeah. tells us we're so strong. We're like, but we just don't know any different. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But the other, yeah. the other option is yeah. not doing it. So we anything. should recognize that. We yeah. should tell ourselves, yes, we were That's brave. That's what I'm we saying. Like, strong. you went yeah. home exactly. pregnant with yes. your little boy. Yeah. You were brave. Yeah. yeah. You were so brave. You know, you did it. Mm hmm. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I thought you were going in to say something. I looked over at Whitney and I thought she was going in to ask something. So I like backed up and anyway, <laughs> so sorry. Um, okay. So why don't you 
kind of just, well, do you have other questions before I, I'm, I think I'm good. You got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us kind of how you are making lemonade with your lemons? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's all of these things. It's like, it's, it's, um, I have a lot of hope, you know, I just, I haven't let, um, I, what am I trying to say here? I'll go back to the morning, the morning that Ryan died. I heard a voice that it was very strange. I was in my kitchen alone um, for like a brief moment. I was feeding my cat and I leaned down to scoop some cat food. And I heard this voice in my mind that it was so clear that it sounded like it was jarring. It seemed like it was like there was somebody actually talking to me, but it was inside of me. And it said, you're going to be okay. This is not going to stop you. This is not going to break you. This is not going to end you. And I remember those words like clear as day. Um, And that felt like that was such a gift. Like in that moment, I knew that even though this was going to be really hard, I was going to be okay. And I was going to be able to handle it. And I would get through to the other side. And so I feel like that gift that morning, you know, just hours after this had all gone down, um, that was the lemonade. Like the, the lemonade came right from the start, you know, and I've just kind of, it's like, that's what has, that's a big part of what's kept me going is just that I've known from the beginning that I would be okay. And so all of the things that I've, that I've done since then have just been like, they've all been, I think, kind of born out of that feeling, you know, the book, the songs, the artwork, the podcast, the, you know, like every, everything, um, it's all, it's all lemonade. I don't, I'm not really answering that. You are. No, you are. That was a perfect (laughs) answer. Yeah, you're right. Like, and also to go back to, you are brave. You are inspiring. You are making lemonade out of your lemons. Um, and the story is amazing, you know, really like you, all the stuff you've done, everything that you've done, is amazing. Mm-hmm. So it, Thank you. yeah. So why don't you yeah. tell everyone kind of where they can find you, um, your website? Um, yeah. Give all the yeah. resources. Yeah. My website is just my name, jessicaswift.com. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at that same handle at Jessica Swift. Um, and those are the main two places that you can find me um, at both of those places. You can sign up to get my emails Um, I send out, um, a couple of emails a month and sometimes more. Um, and you know, they're, they're all about this kind of stuff, real life, uplifting, um, hard, real, raw stuff basically. And then obviously I send out, um, you know, info about sales and new products and things that are happening too. Um, but yeah, my website is, is the main place where you can find out everything that's going on with me. Um, and the book, you can find the book on my website, um, and it is officially coming out, March 21st. So I'm very, very excited about that. And I'm excited to see um, where it's going to land, which bookstores and, you know, gift stores and and things. So yeah, hopefully people will be able to find it in their local local shops, um, but they can order it on my site. 
or on Amazon or Barnes Noble, like basically wherever books are sold, it's it's available for pre-order right now and will be officially available on March 21st. That is so cool. I am going to jump on and pre-order mine because mm-hmm. I just from the images you've sent us, it's beautiful. I can't wait to see it. Um, and I'm so proud of you. Like, really, you did it. You are mm-hmm. doing great things. And I know you're going to keep doing great things. And just thank you for thank bringing you. such a beautiful form of therapy into the world. Like art is such a beautiful thing. Um, and it's just inspiring to me, you know? And so I'm just proud of yeah. you. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's funny. Cause art feels like, you know, on the one hand, it's like this frivolous thing. And on the other hand, it's like, it's this vital, it's this vital thing, you know, it's like mm-hmm. it um, can communicate things that words can't, I think. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for being here with us today and thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to leave us a rate and review wherever you are listening. You can also email us at making lemonade podcast one at gmail.com you can also find us on instagram at making lemonade dot podcast or facebook at making lemonade with wit and kills you can also find out more about my foundation bane's legacy at facebook and instagram at bane's legacy and www.baneslegacy.com and you can find out more about my foundation you can find us on social media at TT Tough and our website is tttuff.org.